Welcome to the Business Benchmark Group podcast, where you'll learn how to think strategically about your business and discover that while business is not easy, it doesn't need to be hard. With over 20 years experience in turning stalling businesses into thriving enterprises, here is your host, Stefan Kazakis, the founder and CEO of Business Benchmark Group. Hi, I'm Stefan Kazakis from Business Benchmark Group. And we're just about to share a conversation around the good, the bad, and the ugly when it comes to partnerships. And and in most cases, you know, there's not many of us that have been in a partnership where we're totally excited and totally raving in terms of its outcome. And what I mean by that is, you know, all my problems today started out as a great idea. There's not many of us that start a partnership or commence a partnership or consider a partnership and think, oh, let's get involved in something that's going to go totally wrong. Let's go out of our way to screw this one up. We don't do that. And yet what ends up happening in most cases is the communication and the due diligence that should have happened, the consideration and or what might go wrong and what can't I see and what is it that we really, really, really need to consider, dare me say, called a prenuptial, which is which means you're being mature and, and, and advanced and thinking, okay, let's talk about if we were ever to hit a brick wall or hit the shit, what are we doing about it? How does that look? How do we get a divorce if we dare needed to while we're still in love? What an easier conversation. So the good, the bad and the ugly. I've got to see so much of that. And in some cases, I've got to experience some of that in my own walking life, and uh, it leaves scars. It challenges trust. It, it taints your view of being open and honest, and it ensures that vulnerability, if it ain't, I guess, assessed and or considered, you can feel like the world has just turned against you. So partnerships, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I go on to share some of my rules around some of the partnerships and my parameters as to why I would and occasionally do get involved. I also go to share as to what is it that you may want to be looking for in someone or another party when you think about who can I partner with. So a bit of sharing, a bit of my own walking and and talking on this subject. I, I have a fair amount of depth on this topic. However, I hope you enjoy our podcast, Partnerships, the Good, the Bad and the Ugly. I'm Stefan Kazakis and I'm so pro-positive, prenuptial, brilliant partnership perspective. I am not into, ooh, I've got an idea. I've just drank six pots. We're three brothers. Let's go into a business and screw the family up in two years' time. Business Benchmark Group. Okay, okay so I want, to, um, I want to start with a, uh, with, with a story. And I want to start with a story regarding partnerships and the good and the bad and ultimately the ugly because, you know, I got taught very young, at a very young age, that um, all your greatest ideas could potentially become your greatest problem. And I didn't really understand that until I took a step out of school and into the real life and got involved in relationships, some official, some unofficial. But ultimately what I got to realise and tick the box was uh, all my greatest problems did start out as a great idea. So there's this old lady and she's uh, walking her donkey. And she's walking her donkey in the fields. 
that she could hear some kerfuffle, some argument. She gets closer and she confirms that there is an argument. And there's three people from the village, her village. She knew their father, he recently passed. And they're arguing, these are brothers. And they're fighting and no one is making sense other than making a lot of noise. So as a wise old lady, who cares about her community, her village, she takes her donkey and she walks over to the three young men who are quarrelling and fighting, for which none of them are making sense. And she says, young men, why are you fighting? Why are you arguing? Your father would be watching from heaven and ultimately turning in his grave. And the youngest one, who seems to have been the most logical, says, old lady... Our father recently passed and he gave us his business. He did say, he never wrote it down, he did say for many years, for me being the youngest, I will only be able to have two out of how many donkeys are left in the inheritance. Only two and no more than two. My older brothers are sitting here and arguing because we have a total of 17 for which the oldest brother was promised 50%. The second brother was promised 30% and I was only offered and com committed and promised no more than two. And she's a wise old lady, never really went to school, but she sort of figured out 50% of 17 donkeys seems like one will have to be carved up. 30% of 17 donkeys, I'm not sure how good you guys are in math, <laughs> but I'm guessing you're a smart crowd, right? And that's why you're here today. You make great decisions with your numbers, I'm sure. But 30% of 17 donkeys sort of didn't work out either. The only one that had any aspect of, I think I'm going to be okay as, as much as I can have no more than two, is the youngest. So she says, okay, stop quarrelling and let's figure out a solution, boys, because this is going nowhere. And she says, before we even think about a solution, I've known your family for generations and never did they fight. And when something was handed down, it never ended up in blood and tears. So I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll give you my donkey and let's see whether we could work this out. So 17 donkeys became 18. And the youngest brother looks at the oldest brother and he goes, okay, 50% of 18 equals nine. Are you okay with that? And the eldest brother says, yes, I am. And the old lady said, great, then walk over to the donkeys, separate your nine. You get first choice because you're the eldest and I'm sure that was the intention of your father. The second brother, who looks at what's going on, thinks, hang on, 30% of 18, that looks like six, it is six, why don't I go and choose my six on top of his nine? And now the youngest one can have no more than two, which equals 17. We all have a great dinner that night and the old lady takes her donkey and walks away. Does that make sense? And this is what happens in partnerships. What we thought was a great idea, the intent of the father, the pass down, the agreement with a handshake, the agreement occasionally on the back of a beer coaster, the agreement between great friends and great family and great relationships for which I've got something good, you've got something good, but the most important thing we have in common is fear because not, we're not willing to do it on our own. <laughs> so let's go and start a business. We've had no success. 
We've had no track record. We've got nothing to catch on to that's called money as a, as a success factor and understand the good, the bad and the ugly of money. And therefore, let's go and start a business together because I'm too shit scared to do it on my own. So no different to the fable or the story I've just shared, sometimes, sometimes, we just need to put ourselves into the future, transport yourself into the future and look back and say, how will this work if it was in any shape or form not to work? So I'm going to share a couple of things. So I'm officially going to go into brain stretch right now. I'm going to officially go into brain stretch regarding partnerships, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So I'm going to pull my flip charts forward. And I'm just going to ask every one of you to just think, if you can, just think a little bit outside the square. Later on this afternoon, or this morning, I should say, we're going to go into... We're going to go into Think Tank, where I really challenge the thought process, and I want you to be thinking about you. I'm talking to every one of you in this room, but ultimately I'm talking to you as individuals. Does that make sense? So, when it comes to the good, the bad, and the ugly, and that particular story, what was the good part about that story? Anyone want to share? What was the good part? The outcome was definitely the good part, but did it need to get there? Did it need to get there? Should that have been thought? way before the stuff in the middle, the bad and the ugly. So if the outcome was good, why not think about that before it actually needed it to be bad and ugly? In other words, what was the walk and the scenario planning of the father who with all good intent... So the good thing about that story was the father was prepared to pass on the donkeys. Does that make sense? That was the good intent. What wasn't so good about it was it wasn't thought out if one of the donkeys, dare he say, died and it ended up being an odd number. And there was no 50% of anything other than a really bad fight. What was also not so good about that story is that with all stories like that, what we choose to ignore is track record. We choose to ignore track record. Why is it that the oldest brother should get the 50% of the donkeys? What was the rite of passage for that to occur other than perhaps, perhaps some custom, perhaps other than strategic thinking as to why the eldest brother in that story needed to have the lion's share of the outcome? Does that make sense? So sometimes when it comes to partnerships, there are no rules applied other than common sense. Sometimes when it comes to partnerships, if you're not prepared to invest five, ten, twenty thousand dollars up front to get the advice and confirm what could be bad and ugly, confirm it. Walk in those shoes for about five or ten minutes. If you don't walk in those shoes for five or ten minutes or a little longer than that, then the chances are when it does get bad and ugly, and it generally does. So the statistics say. The statistics say that 86% of partnerships do not succeed. 86% of partnerships do not succeed to see their fifth year birthday. Does that make sense? And any partnerships that go over the fifth year will generally, will generally not have the same power in relationships between the people who thought it was a great idea five years prior to get together it will generally not be the same relationship. The relationship gets strained. So, my personal experience, and I've walked this walk several times, and I've taken the bitter pill of being in a partnership that just didn't work. My advice is, 
you better make sure you are clear about what you're prepared to lose. What you're prepared to lose, which could be a relationship, which could be financial outcome, which could be status, reputation, ego. What are you prepared to lose? And talk about that while you're still in a state of euphoria as to how great this opportunity could be. The other thing I want you to think about is how much are you prepared to lose, really lose, when it comes to money to realise the opportunity that you are in consideration for as a partnership? Does that make sense? So if you were looking at an opportunity to get into a partnership with someone and the opportunity was, let's just say, a $20 million opportunity, that's the opportunity. In five years' time, we could be running a $20 million business. I want every one of you that's considering a partnership or is in a partnership to ask your partner tonight, today, whenever, what are you prepared to lose in real terms, in money, for us to move towards that opportunity? What are you prepared to lose? <clears throat> and then we put another kicker to that. What is your wife or husband prepared to support you in losing in order for us to get to that opportunity? Does that make sense? Because the euphoria and the excitement of a great idea, a great concept, a great partnership is long left behind once you get in the walk and talk of business and a business that needs to be confirmed legally, financially, plan B's, prenuptials in a business sense, already signed, agreed, and in the bottom drawer, pull when in emergency. Does that make sense? And I know I'm talking in the negative, but wouldn't you rather talk about the negative than the positive? Because the positive is easy. The euphoria of being in a partnership and let's go and get it today, when we've had six beers and four peanut jars, is pretty easy. It is. <laughs> it's easy. It's when the crap turns up that you haven't prepared for that you want to make sure it's easy at that point. Because life and circumstances change. Your dare factor, your risk factor, when you're at a certain stage in life, is different to when you get to the next stage of life. Does that make sense? Your influence is on a personal level, as part of a, a partnership, a relationship, are different in 10 years' time, in five years' time, than what they were at the time that you're shaking a hand to get into business. And I will say this, it's hard enough doing it on your own, running a business this is, let alone trying to ensure all stakeholders and partners are all on the same page consistently. It's hard enough doing it on your own, let alone wanting to multiply ownership and trying to make it work that way. Does that make sense? So these are my rules of thumb. My rules of thumb is if I'm going to get into a partnership, I want to make sure that someone has had failure in their life. They've lost money and they've come back to win again. I want to make sure that someone has experienced at least a million dollars in their bank account unencumbered. Does that make sense? Otherwise, I cannot be a good business partner for you. The third thing is, and it's not about who's going to be doing the hard work, who's going to be doing the brute. It's about can we sit on the table and consistently come up with more ideas, innovation, and be on a common place, a common page for the next 10 years? Can we see ourselves doing that for the next 10 years where your contribution from the brain versus the brute is going to be on par? Or am I going to be the business partner that says, okay, you go out and do the hard work, I'll be internally doing all the book work and all the paperwork and all the administration work, and you feel that that's going to work in five or six years' time? It's not. 
I can guarantee you it's not. Someone's going to think that they're smarter than the other person or the other party at some point within the three to five year mark and then problems are going to arise. And I guess the sabotage in your business will start to occur for which your competitors... See, I go looking for businesses that have got an issue with partnerships. And if I'm interested in buying into that industry, I'm going to buy an up-and-coming business in that industry if I know someone that's got good market share in a partnership is going south. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? If you're an investor, you want to be looking for businesses that are going south in a partnership. In other words, the emotional aspect, not the financial aspect. The emotional aspect of the partnership is going south. That is a business you want to be investing in, as in, as a competitor. So. If you're getting into a partnership, the euphoria of the short term versus the importance of the long term cannot be denied. See, once we confirm what the vision is and what the goals and the outcomes are, it then comes down to 1% vision and 99% alignment in terms of the activities, the tasks, the outcomes, the decision making on a day-to-day -day basis, keeping everyone aligned on the same page consistently. My advice to business partners, and, and there are business partners that we coach, particularly in private mentoring, in private mentoring space, my advice to them, every six months we need an alignment. We want to make sure that your personal and your professional outcomes are still what you thought they were six months ago. Does that make sense? So long after the euphoria is the hard work. Long after the hard work has got to be a progressive <coughs> way forward. There's also got to be a plan B, guys. It, it's okay if a partnership or a relationship gets to a certain point where it's not working for the other partner. Does that make sense? <coughs> Strategically speaking, you've got to be okay and accepting of that, that it may not be forever. It may not be forever. So if it's not going to be forever, you might as well be, re be realistic about that today and work out your get-out plan in alignment with the other partners because it can't be just good for you and not good for the others. Does that make sense? So the whole thing about euphoria is it's short term. And then there's hard work, so you better be on the same page. So just think about that and ultimately the bad and the ugly aspects to business. Because the good, <laughs> all my greatest problems started out as a great idea. The skills and tools to create a great idea versus the skills and tools needed to build a great business, to survive a partnership, are very different. Does that make sense? And I hope I'm just sending a fear into you because if you're thinking of getting into a partnership, save your relationship, save your long-term, um, you know, I guess, <laughs> um, it's, let's call it sanity, and think about this as if it's really ugly today and what are we doing about it while you can still have that conversation without argy-bargy. Does that make sense? Spend the money up front in legal, you'll save yourself times 10 at the back end. Here's some advice. Is that right, Jason? And why do you agree with that? Because I've seen lots of scenarios uh, with clients coming in with two and there are, and there are things that, that you can do to really make it easier. Yeah, so J Jason's one of our key, uh, I guess, um, what's, the, what's the name of your firm these days, mate? Cool. So one of our go-to persons as far as legal advice is concerned as someone that you should consider if you're looking for uh, legal advice has helped many of our clients. Again, we choose people that are going to give solid advice to our clients. Grant, you've seen that happen. You've seen partnerships go north, south, and everything. But ultimately, give me give me a feel for what are the ones that you believe work. What are, what's the key ingredient for the ones that work, as far as you're concerned? Look, what you're saying is absolutely right. People start off with euphoria, and what you've got to do is insist on looking at the worst possible outcomes. 
And yeah, that's like we live in this walk away, and we're still, you know, as I say, sanity. We're not emotionally bruised and hurt, you know, long term. And so the ones prepared to do that because uh, we we get over optimistic. And um, the fact is, it's a cruel world. You have twists and turns and uh, unexpected events, and you must look at the downside. What if the worst happens? And I say, I gave it a go. I can walk away, and I still feel healthy inside emotionally and, and not not damaged. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, and again, as a business partnership, as a, as a human in life, you've got to be okay, you've got to be open to criticism. You've got to be okay with getting feedback. If you want a successful partnership, an official one and an unofficial one for that matter, you've got to be open and okay with feedback. You've got to be okay to criticism. Your persistence level has got to constantly be high and healthy. Does that make sense? Your ability to keep on innovating and being ideas focused has got to be high and optimum and shared. There is no such thing as a bad idea from someone down there. Everybody, when it comes to ideas and growing a business, whether it's a partnership or a sole ownership one, makes no difference. Ideas are critical. Your dare factor, your ability to go to the cliff's edge and say, okay, where to from here? Are we flying or are we dying? What are we doing? Your ability to take a risk, your ability to be on the same page being aligned, Again, guys, it's 1% vision. Once the vision is done and dusted and in writing somewhere, it's 1% talk, 99% alignment in action. It's the activities. So how do you make decisions? How do you make decisions about where are you at your most productive best? How are you making decisions about the people you associate with and do business with? How are you keeping yourself accountable, self-awareness, self-esteem, self-evaluation? How are you taking care of that so that you could even dare think about someone else that you want to be in partnership with, officially or unofficially? So for many of you that know what we do and how we go about it at Board of Directors 12, at private client level, or even Diamond Club, every one of you knows there are four key stakeholders in your business. The first one and the most important one is you, the business owner or the business leader. The second one, and even more important because it's leverage and it's the key to business success, it's called team. And if you're not prepared to grow team and build team and put your energies in and focus into team, for which at some point that team's gonna be better than you. If you are not prepared to do that, I'm gonna suggest that you should be thinking a Roger Federer type of business model versus the traditional business model that's all about team. Does that make sense? So Roger Federer goes on the tennis court and plays his tennis match. He's surrounded by an awesome team, but it's about Roger, and that's okay because the guy does what he does and he does well. But if you want to grow a true business, you're gonna have to build team. Now that's an official slash unofficial partnership. Does that make sense? It has slightly less complications than the other type of partnerships that are more official. Does that make sense? Now, if there were people in this room that had more than a million bucks in their bank, unencumbered, have got 10 years plus track record of success, failure and bounce back and persistence and everything like that, I'll be saying get into partnership, guys. It's a good idea. But if you haven't, think twice, three times, five times, because things happen in life. The other thing is pillow talk, right? How is that influencing your mindset about what you do at stages in your life? Second stakeholder team. Third stakeholder is suppliers. Your ability to go and choose officially, unofficially, partners to who is in your supply chain. Your suppliers need to be A-graders. You've got to make sure you're choosing them and you're keeping them to high account as they should with you. And last but not least is your unofficial partnership with your clients, your customers. 
As a business owner, if you put more time and energy into that, then you may be avoiding some of, I guess, the bad and the ugly of the other type of partnerships. Does that make sense? If you focus on building a business, you back yourself, you put an advisory team. Now let me tell you about advisory teams. Cheap advisory teams equals cheap. Does that make sense? If you want outcomes, if you wish to push forward, find the set of eyes that are looking over your shoulder to keep you accountable to the vision. Find the set of eyes that look over your shoulder to keep you at brutal truth as to what is it that you did versus what you said you would do and what's showing up in the middle. The only thing that's going to get you to the top shelf in life, the only thing, is the books you read, education. Where we are right now in the global stage that we are all on, doing our bit, every other day this is a global stage, it is the books you read and the education that you put your hand up for and be vulnerable for that's going to set you free. Does that make sense? So partnerships and how do you make decisions, which ultimately lead to activities that lead to results and how you review those results, is up to you. Bit of a brain stretch. All good? Stephen, what did you take out of that? To make sure that you know where you're going, where you want to go, and uh, have all your eggs in one basket, and have the outcome in front of you. And you're in a partnership, aren't you? Yes, I am. And you're in a partnership that is a very big business. How many people do you employ? About 180. 180 people. <coughs> and there's a partnership managing that. Very interesting. Very interesting is a great way of looking at it. <laughs> and, and it is, and it's not easy. Kill one of you? No. And it is very interesting. You know, managing 180 people in a, in a three-way partnerships, three very strong very clear in what is responsible for them leaders in that business doing what they do, right? So when it comes to you and it comes to your business and, and the opportunity ahead, what are you prepared to lose on your own and thereafter with people in your partnership to ensure you are clear about the risks and the dare factor needed to move forward? Bit of a brain stretch. I'm going to do more in think tank. So looking forward to sharing again, just expanding the aspects of partnerships and relationships and how they are vital to our day-to-day, -day, I guess, um, quest to the next level. Hi, I'm Stephen Kazakis from Business Benchmark Group. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And it's so real. I mean, you know, the amount of great stories you hear regarding partnerships, and there are plenty when you, when you really, really, really think about it, but there are so many more of the bad and the ugly, and it's just a shame because, um, you know, relationships uh, generally uh, are ruined and, and the scars go deep and long. However, it's easy during euphoria, isn't it? Um, and most uh, don't consider what it would look like if there were tougher times. So a little bit of tips and a little bit of, uh, I guess, wisdom and a little bit of slowing down to go fast. You know, what's the hurry? You know, if you're going to get into a partnership, take a year to work it out. <laughs> I mean, is, is, it that, is it that important that you go and throw a relationship or let's just say, you know, $100,000 or in some cases millions of dollars into something that's going to, uh, if you don't put the time into it, it's going to turn to shit, guaranteed, right? That's the way it is. And again, you know, the four key stakeholders in your business, you know, it starts with you. It starts with you being the owner, the leader, and how that must always be transferred must always be transferred to the team. You know, you need your team. You want your team. You need to lead your team to be in such a position of ownership that they are the ones that deliver the exceptional service and the exceptional delivery of standard to our customers. 
You've also got to ensure that our suppliers are of the same ilk. You know, you cannot be an A-grade supplier of product using B-grade suppliers to support you. It just doesn't work. They'll let you down. And therefore, it goes from you to the team and suppliers to the customers and ultimately the business itself. So they're the four key stakeholders and uh, pretty, pretty cool when you think about that. So we're really excited about our next podcast coming up. The next podcast is going to be Ben and Emma Stallworthy, an amazing couple that did an amazing job with an amazing fitness system and a fitness um, um, business model known as Pinnacle Health Clubs. And they are going on from strength to strength. So we look forward to hearing their story in the next podcast. But until then, your profit blueprint, it's closing down on us. Until then, Board of Directors 12, it's just about to get going. And until then, Make sure, regardless of whether you're getting into official partnerships or not, you are doing your due diligence and ensuring what is it that you don't know or what is it that you cannot see. Relationships are for life. It's not quick bam, thank you ma'am. I'm Stefan Kazakis from Business Benchmark Group. For more information about Business Benchmark Group's coaching, education and training programs, visit businessbenchmarkgroup.com.au or call 03-9001-0878. If you liked this podcast, please rate it on iTunes, Stitcher or SoundCloud and leave feedback as well. Stefan shares so much value in all his podcasts and we encourage you to go through the archives and listen to other episodes of the Business Benchmark Group podcast. Thank you for listening.